I'm an animal. Yeah, and some capital. Out in the jungle, ready to rumble, ready to wrap it up. Ready to wrap it up. Ready to wrap it up. Out in the jungle, ready to rumble, ready to wrap it up. Getting this money. I'm getting this money. In love with the moolah, fuck being cooler, fuck all your honeys. I gave her the honey. I gave her the juice, yeah. Knew what she wanted. She getting loose, yeah. Ooh. This is a FML podcast number 63, and this is Eddie King, comedian, actor, DJ, producer, rapper. Whatever I want to do, I do it. There you go. <laughs> That's how I roll. With a, you with do a, a lot of things. With a horse that I was not aware of. <laughs> yeah. Your throat ain't too bad, man. You going to survive this? Yeah, I'm going to survive this. Don't worry about it. I, I'm worried about tomorrow, though. <laughs> well, my name is Freddie. My name is Lito. And like you said, this is the FML Podcast. And how y'all doing uh, out there? How y'all doing, guys? They're not here. You need to ask. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. Oh, guys. we're good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm literally talking to you. And guys. we have, uh, we're at WeWork, quote unquote, studios. We have Eddie King here. I met up uh, with last week. We chopped it up for like two hours. Yeah, almost. yeah man. I was Great getting calls left and right. <laughs> How did you guys end up talking to each other last week? We just did. Yeah, we ran to we ran into each other, and then also I think we knew of each other. Yeah, of course. Also. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, know, I remember the first time I met you a long time ago it was Cities. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's when when you guys just started the, the brand. Yeah, the brand. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I still have my first T-shirt that you guys <laughs> made back just then. So you finally followed it's up, man. It's funny because last week when he said he spoke to you, mm-hmm. uh, it was right after we recorded an episode right here. Yeah. And before the episode, as I was driving here to park, I saw you walk outside. Oh, okay. And to be honest with you, last week when we came out here, we were not too sure of what we were going to talk about. <laughs> so I ran and parked. And try to run as fast as possible to catch you to ask oh, you uh, to come on the episode. Okay, okay. And okay, okay. I missed you, and I was like, ah, shit. I guess that'll be for another time. But <laughs> and I expect I was like, yo, he probably gonna say no, but I'm still gonna ask him and see what's up. And lo and behold, next week you're right here. What would I say no? I don't know. I just figured <laughs> like, hey, he, may, he might say no, but at least it'll be an introduction and some maybe sometime in the future he'll do it. No, I, actually, I love I love participating to podcasts. Uh, you know. In my field, there's a whole bunch of comedians, French comedians that have they have a lot of podcasts. I mm-hmm. think I did this year. I did like three or four. Uh, yeah, I like, I like the platform. I like uh, having great conversation, yeah. honest conversation. Okay. You know, with no filter, no uh, you know, you don't have to worry too much about what you could say or mm-hmm. not because mm-hmm. there's a network watching or anything like that. So, which is weird because a lot of people say well, watch what they say on interviews, but they won't watch what they say on podcasts as if that shit's not recorded. Uh, it's yeah. recorded. A lot of time with video. <laughs> like today. Yeah, but you know when I say watch what I'm saying, yeah. I always watch what I'm saying because you know yeah, the obviously. point is not to offend anybody. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But at least I could be more honest, more yes. more sincere because you know when there's a network involved, then you kind of have to watch what you say only because you don't know who's up. You know, you always have like, oh yeah, the, those big bosses maybe they yeah. they hearing it, they they hear what you're saying, they they watching stuff like that. But you guys are the big boss here. So. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever listened to the podcast in the past? Uh, just snippets. Just, just snippets. Yeah. All right, on Instagram probably. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that you guys met in the past through uh, clothing. The first time I've heard of you was mm. through your comedy. 
Oh, okay. One of my friends, which is Siti, said, I know this guy. We used to chill back in the day and yeah. back in the neighborhood. I'm yeah. like, really? Uh-huh. Good. So let me check out his comedy. And I was pretty <laughs> pleased to see a lot of a lot of clips on YouTube. Uh, obviously, jokes making fun of us, patients, <laughs> um, <laughs> making fun of Quebecers. Um, so yeah, man, it, it was it was good. Where are you with comedy now? Do you still do comedy? Of course, yeah. This is the, yeah, that's how I pay my bills. <laughs> yeah, I still do a lot of comedy. Right now, I'm 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 in the process of writing my my second one man show, which is called Mukunzi. And it's uh, it's, uh, it's supposed to come out this uh, the next fall, but I'm starting. Um, What does it mean? Mukunzi. Yeah. It means uh, it means king, or it could mean also um, boss. Or, okay. You know. Yeah. It means king. Yeah. Okay. So basically, I translated the Eddie, the king of Eddie King, by okay. saying Mukunzi. In which in which language? It's in Lingala. Lingala, is, which is uh, the. So you're from Zaire or Congo? Exactly. I don't know yeah. Which one it's called now? Yeah. Congo, <laughs> yeah. Zaire, Congo, actually. Yeah. Because yeah, we 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 change name and and change uh, flags like we change our clothes <laughs> <laughs> quickly can you tell us real quick why does that happen why they change name back and forth oh because they always been two congos uh okay. one was colonized by the by by french and the other one which is zaire which is where i'm from was colonized by 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 belgium okay. when uh you know the famous uh one of the our famous president that we used to have like for 36 years mobutu mm-hmm. came into power mm-hmm. he changed the name from congo to zaire okay. so he stayed zaire like for 36 to years say fuck it. yeah exactly so basically now both congos were not called zaire no only, Just one, only, only one. one was called zaire okay, yeah. but then when he was removed from power. They switched it back to Congo, but okay. they actually called it République Démocratique du Congo. Yeah. So, so there's two Congos now, which is funny because uh, not a lot of people know that. And also, I didn't know there were two Congos. Yeah, there's, there's two of them, and the two capitals are the closest capitals in the world. It's actually like, like uh, Kinshasa and Brazzaville. Kinshasa and Brazzaville is like uh, Montreal and Longueuil. Wow. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it's very close. Like, okay. uh, and we in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are longer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so basically, uh, when you're in both, when you're in both capitals, it's actually exactly the same culture, exactly the same food. It's like the the mainstream culture that you guys all know about, and uh, you know uh, the, the language that we all speak mm-hmm. in the capital is Lingala. Mm-hmm. But when you go further in both countries, then that's when you see. The, the differences the differences between the two countries and tell us about yourself though how long you've been here i was just gonna say i was just gonna say where you oh, born no, there no, like we no. didn't introduce you yeah, yeah go I, ahead, was, go ahead. So I was born i was born in france okay i was right there raised there i moved here when i was uh 13 years old okay and uh so i did all my high school cjp and everything here both of my parents are congolese uh from the same country same tribe everything so i'm saying montreal or long guy you know <laughs> <laughs> he said montreal montreal yeah so uh i'm from a, a tribe called muluba so in in singular we say uh, muluba and plural we say baluba so i'm a muluba okay and uh yeah so you came here at 13 and yeah. um, how did you start comedy Oh man, I stumbled into it. Bunch of other stuff before comedy. Yeah, you're probably yeah, a class always, clown before that. Not even, <laughs> not even, bro. You know what? <clears throat> I started off my my artistry started off as a rapper. That's how I started, and I started like early back in France. And that was when I was with my uncle. So my mom, she has a brother. Her last brother 
me and him were nine years apart, so he's like my big brother. Mm -hmm. So he introduced me into into rapping since a young age. He even gave me that name, Eddie King, that I'm wearing right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, and back then, it was when, you know, rappers used to dance a bit like Big Daddy Ken and okay, stuff yeah. like that. So I was dancing. Late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's why I was introduced to uh, to rap. And then I just followed through even when I was here. Uh, I formed my first group when I was in high school here. And later on, um, I don't know, man. I was watching. I started to be interested into stand-up comedy because I always loved comedy. Okay. But stand-up comedy was like, oh, it, it felt so close to rap music because mm. you just have one mic and you and you have a whole bunch of punchlines. And I'm like, yo, I was really curious, especially when I saw Dave Chappelle for the first time, mm -hmm. and also when I saw Eddie Murphy for the mm. first time. Because I discovered Eddie Murphy as a stand-up comic very late in my life mm -hmm. because I always knew him as an actor, especially mm -hmm. because in France we yeah. don't know him yeah. as a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I was like, oh man, this is really cool. And uh, I said, you know what, one day I'll try. The day uh, I really made the move was, well, I tried to make the move actually. Uh, that means he bombed. No, he didn't bomb. Yeah, a little bit actually. 2004, 2004, my, my friend was doing a show I was performing with my rap group. We were, mm -hmm. we were a duo. We were performing that the duo was called Dogan Tribe back then. And uh, yeah, we were doing pretty good back then. And then he said, uh, he said, oh, I need a, I need a host because my, my host, uh, uh, you know, he canceled. He canceled on me at the last minute. So I need a host and I know that you good the with the mic and talking to the crowd because back then with Dogan Tribe, we never liked going on stage and just Rapping. Performing track yeah, yeah, yeah. or rap just to rap. Mm -hmm. We always like put every song that we did, we put them in a contest mm -hmm. and sort of a comedy context. Sorry. And then, um, and I start doing that, riffing with the crowd, mm -hmm. throwing jokes. And someone said, Hey, you know what? You should, you should try to do comedy. I was like, Hey, you know what? Why not? I went home and I went to, uh, to the website of uh, L'Ecole Nationale de l'Humour, which is the comedy school we have here in yeah. Quebec. And all the famous comics from Quebec, most of the famous comics in Quebec mm -hmm. came out of that school. So I, I Googled it and I saw like the the last day for, to, to, to submit for audition, the last day of submission was the day I was on the website. Oh, so, I, so, so, so I subscribed, I took my $50, took my, to my, my passport picture, went, went there before it was five o'clock and just dropped everything and they mm -hmm. called me for an audition. And... I remember it was weird because I remember when I, I did the audition, I was telling a story. It was a really stupid story, though, <laughs> because I used to work with kids. I don't even know if this is gonna translate well, but that, okay, that go ahead. I worked oh, in good. French. So I was uh, I was working with. So that's the story I was telling. So I was working with kids, and at some point, those two kids. Uh, that didn't want to play with one of the kids because mm -hmm. they said that that other kid was too dark-skinned. Okay. Right? Okay. And then I was like, no, it doesn't work like that uh, in the summer camp. That we don't do it like that. Uh -huh. Everybody's the same color. So, and I was always trying to find like uh, funny punishment just so they could get a lesson. So I was like, okay, so you're going to be here and I want you to say in French, quand je rentre au camp, Violet, like, you know, like the the, the, the yeah. color, right? Yeah. But one of her, of all of the kid, she had an accent, so violet the color sounded like violet, like rape, like rape, <laughs> <laughs> like rape. So I was like, no, 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 tu dis move, tu dis move. <laughs> so that's just the story I told, and you know, like, so there was there was, a, there was like judges on panels, yeah. or like the, the, the teacher, and 
kind of like my energy, but I never got the callbacks. So, oh, okay. so at this point, I was like, ah, you know what? I tried. Mm-hmm. didn't work. Mm-hmm. So that went back to rapping. Mm-hmm. And me and my boy, which we started recording our first album. We had all the equipment at his place, actually. Uh, we were doing everything but on our own and everything, and he got robbed. Oh, shit. He got robbed. We lost everything. Everything. Like even the backups, like that I had my computer yeah. was was uh, broke house. down. Bro- my computer broke down, so we lost my computer and his computer with everything we had. So I was like, yo, it was a major reset, mm. a major reset, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went to the show and uh, I discovered the comedy club called the Comedy Works. Yep. And I think I ran into uh, first I ran, I ran into Sugar Sammy. I think he was working on stuff out there and. I ran to my, my friend Daniel Tirado and I was like, yo, I, I'm gonna try to do comedy. How do I go about it now? And I was like, several years later after the audition, and he, uh, he suggested me a book called The Comedy Bible, wrote by Judy Carter, which teaches you how to write jokes. Mm. And back then I used to work at Rogers on, on the phone. Mm. So, yo, dude, I, I, I just. Tested him on the people? Yeah. <laughs> Put people on hold and see. Funny that. enough, that's a good way to practice yeah. because you're always talking to someone yeah. and it's one on one. But in your mind, you could tell yourself that you're talking to an audience and it's yeah. practice. Yeah, but I wasn't testing on the on the on the customers though. Oh okay, no, okay, okay, I was okay, putting okay. customers on hold and, <laughs> and see, talking to my neighbor. Hey, you know what? I wrote this joke. What do you think co-workers. of? It? Yeah, <laughs> and even that Batman and Robin joke. I remember that's the that's that's why I wrote it. Okay, you know? okay. And when I felt ready, I was like, you know what? Let me find my first show. I went to this guy called the Junior, Junior Gerardo, he to, he, and, he, and he works for uh, Just Pour Rire, Just for Laugh. He used to uh, produce a show called Les Mercredis Just Pour Rire, which was every Wednesday. And he was producing another little, uh, smaller show, mm-hmm. like sort of open mic. Went to him and said, hey, um, I got jokes and I want to do, do Les Mercredis Just Pour Rire, like yeah, your story roll. I got, a, I got another show for you. And that's where I test people to see if they're good enough. Mm-hmm. Or it's like a tryout. Right? Yeah. I did it. Uh, it went very well for the first time. Because mm-hmm. I actually uh, got high works. Like the technique of mm-hmm. writing jokes, high works, premise and a punch and high mm-hmm. everything. So it kind of worked. And then I got called for shows and again and again and again. And that's how I ended up today here like 11 years later that's i'm still doing this so you never went to the to the comedy school after i started doing comedy like a year after i went there again to the school of comedy to the school of comedy to audition again but this time dude they were so mean to me man oh yeah <laughs> oh my god so if they were worse the, fr- the second worse, time the worst and i had experience like a, a year of experience man <laughs> yo dude they were, they were oh man they were talking they were telling me oh do yeah. you think they knew of you Probably. Uh, it's a maybe, circle, no? maybe, yeah, maybe they did. So maybe now they had higher criterias for you Probably. because they knew of you. Not exactly. Okay, my opinion. Okay, I've been I've been doing martial art for like for for quite some times now. Okay, okay, and I'm more specialized in Muay Thai. Okay. And when you teach Muay Thai to someone that does another martial art, it's very hard. You know, like, for example, if you do Taekwondo and I have to teach Muay Thai, mm-hmm. look, I got to break everything you've learned all these years mm-hmm. and re- relearn something new. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think for them, for these teachers, 
because I rapped before, because I'm a com- I knew comedy from another method, to them it would be too much trouble to break me and teach me like their method. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they never really got. Uh, you think they, they thought think about they're... all that? Yeah, I think at that they moment? did. I think they did. Shit. I think I think they did. Yeah, but now, but what they said though mm-hmm. was was way more mean. <laughs> what they said? It was like oh. Um, we already seen that Sorry. you're doing because um, uh, back then that's when Rashid Badouri mm-hmm. had just came out and he blew up right and they were like oh uh, you're doing some and every time there would be like a, a comedian of color they would say oh you're doing ethnic comedy uh, and oh but that's ethnic comedy blah blah blah, blah. We'll get there. and I'm like oh, but it's not ethnic comedy it's just talking about my life like any other comics right and yeah funny enough Like several months later, I was doing with the same material. I was doing my first gala just pour rire. With the I same did, material. Uh, with the same material. Gala just pour rire. And I did the gala just pour rire because I was doing this contest called uh, En Route Vers Mon Premier Gala that was on. on uh, video Tron, I think. Yeah, on Video Tron. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And I ended up in finals with the same material. And by being in finals, I, I, still, I, I still made it to do a, a gala. Wow. With okay. the same material. You know what I mean? So was it maybe delivery or confidence? No, my confidence was there. We know it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> and, you know, it's even better for me because, you know, it's really expensive. It's like $15,000 to do this to, to, oh, to do this program. Mm. And my book cost me $15. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm winning. <laughs> Now, um, for your first show, were you scared to bomb? My first show? Yes. The um, first show, the first time. I ever you done? Your first set, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was nerve-wracking. Of course it was. Because <laughs> you said it went well the it first went, time because went, you already knew how to write jokes. And yeah, you had... it went well for a first time. For okay. a first time, you know. Okay. Your first time is always your worst time anyways. But yes. it went well for a first time, mm. meaning that all my jokes, all my punch worked. Okay. Okay. The only thing I had to work on is like my premises to those punches were too long. I didn't know how to calculate time back then. Now, when I'm on stage, like I know time, like... Like, let's say you tell me, oh, you do a five-minute set. At four minutes, my whole body's burning. I know I got to get out of stage. Okay. Because when you do comedy, you go over your time. They don't call you back. You, you don't go back to the club. You know what I mean? It's very severe like that. You know, you should not go over the time. Never. <laughs> never. It's, yo, man, never do that. Ever. So, so if they say five minutes and you do seven, it's a problem. Oh, you crazy. A, they're, what? They're kicking you off. If you do 5.15, it's a problem, bro. Wow. Yes, it is. <laughs> so timing is everything for you. Yeah, much. yeah. With it, whether it's for your schedule, whether it's for the way you deliver jokes. Exactly. Timing is everything in comedy. Earlier, you mentioned that when you first got introduced to comedy, you mm. were watching stand-up comedy. Yeah. And when you wanted to do comedy, that's what you were attracted to. Do you yeah. think you were attracted to it because it's usually what you see black comedians do? But every comedian has to go through most like most comedians have to go through uh stand up comedy. Um no, well first of all my since a young age my relationship with comedy was through more sketch comedy or one person show comedy, not really stand up. I didn't know of stand up until later in my life. Okay. You know, that genre of comedy. So basically when I grew up, I grew up with a comedy trio called uh, Les Inconnus. These guys, it was two two from white where? dude with a black dude. From where? From here? From France. Okay. They like uh, what Quebec he had like uh, RBO. Mm-hmm. They I were like the equivalent. Rocky Belzore. Rocky Belzore. Like they were yeah. the equivalent. And 
they would used to do all these sketches. Like they used to have those sketches with songs and oh, they was hilarious. So you talk to any French person from my generation, no matter his color, right? Mm-hmm. And you tell you you tell them about Les Inconnus, they'll be like, oh my God, these they were the Don, right? Mm-hmm. And then later on, you also had uh, uh, Jamel Debouze, which mm-hmm. was the first a hood comic like he was from he's from originally from Morocco mm-hmm. but he was the first hood comic in France mm-hmm. uh, that and that's where I was like oh yo that's the guy like me he grew up like me mm-hmm. from the, the same place I'm from so I recognized myself into him mm-hmm. uh, and also there was Dieudonné as well yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew Dieudonné yeah. when he was like with Elie Dieudonné when I was younger but then there was Dieudonné later mm-hmm. but all these type of com- even Gad Elmaleh but all these type mm-hmm. of comedy are not really stand up comedy mm-hmm. even Gad started doing stand up comedy after but when i saw eddie murphy for the first time of course the fact that he's black uh maybe appealed maybe appealed me mm-hmm. but uh yeah but i was also already into comedy before that now when it comes go ahead no i was just gonna say it's funny because the same way you said you discovered eddie murphy later on is the same way i discovered it i don't know why and it, i it discovered him when we were at vanya in college because yeah, eddie murphy as a stand-up comic raw as a stand-up and, comic i had yeah. never seen any stand-up raw comic. and uh was delirious. the other one delirious like probably early late 90s early 2000s is when same i thing. and when i discovered it and it was 2002 2003 for me and when that and that also him. gave me gave me an, um, uh, another interest in uh, stand-up comedy and i remember the first time i said i had never seen that everyone around me was you never seen delirious because you guys were ra- raising french as well right yeah so we know eddie murphy yeah through, as an actor as an actor but with a, a french voice yes. which mm. i would say and i and if we have people in United States, I know they're going to get mad at me, but you guys know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> like, coming to America is <laughs> weird in uh, French yeah, 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 than in it's, English. Yeah, it is. I say that all it's, the time. Yeah, clearly That's a discussion we have amongst our friends all, all the, the time. time. And like, oh, man, and if and I, tr- I try to explain this to Americans or like... They English don't believe speaking, They don't believe me. They don't Even understand my, it. My girlfriend is English speaking. She yeah. grew up English. And when I tell her that... She doesn't believe me. But she watched it? Co- yeah. Like, and Coming she, to America, America is, is better in French yeah. than in English. So Another have, show I'll say is better in French, South Park. That's it. <laughs> that's like it. South Park, so South Park was better in French basi- than English. Basically, basically, and the, one of the reasons, I think, the bad words, because both of mm, those things go. have a lot of bad words. Mm-hmm. The bad words in English revolves around the same word. Mm-hmm. It, re- it, it revolves the around word. the F, F word yeah. all the time, yeah. right? But in French, especially from France, mm-hmm. we have so many Bruh, variations. I, I didn't know what mm-hmm. connard and no connard and you pedal. I didn't know what that meant <laughs> for years. You know, <laughs> but there's so many of them. They're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when they translate those movies, they throw all the French bad words in the book <laughs> to translate that, so it makes it funnier. The same reason why I loved coming to America because it was in French is the same reason though. I hated hood movies when they were in, in French. French. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you can't translate like, nigga to negro. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. cool, but connard, pedal, and ah, it yeah. doesn't translate. It's, not, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. You need a different. I like mean, boys now, in the hood, now the first it's time not I so it bad. French. Now it's not so bad, but before. Uh, I think, to be honest, I think it's worse now. 
translate like 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 the double doubling movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's worse. Now. Yeah, it's not you well know, done it's, now. It's not, it's not that well done. It's not as as it used to be you back then. Because remember the guy that does Eddie Murphy's he's voice, he's always uh, the same guy in all of Eddie Murphy's movies. The black, all the black yeah, dudes back then. All the black voices. All the black voices, and it's two. The two is just two voice back then that you would remember. Eddie Murphy's voice, Bruce Willis's voice. But no, there was two. Arnold and Sylvester Stallone too. There was the first, two. The first time <laughs> yeah. I watched their movies in English, I was thrown off. There, there was because there was, I grew up watching it in French, like yeah. Arnold, and I heard him speaking with the broken English. Yeah, I'm like, me too. Man, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> For the French, though, there's two black voices. There's the Eddie Murphy voice and then the guy that does Apollo's voice. It's a, like, raspier voice. Bro, I think it's the same You dude. think it's the same guy? I think it's the God same damn, dude. God that nigga made money, I'd have bro. to Google it, but I <laughs> think it's the same That nigga was paid, dog. <laughs> now, when it comes to you, when was the first show or first, you know, performance that you said to yourself, I think I've arrived. I'm here. Nigga, we made it. Uh, I don't think there's a show that I said I think have arrived, but this is a couple of shows that I'm like, oh man, I had mad fun. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, yo, he's like stepping stone into mm-hmm. my career. It's like first show is the is the show is the show that I've done for my 25th birthday. I said, you know what, fuck it, I have a bunch of material that I never tried. Let me throw a show, and I did like just the first time I was doing an hour of even untried material like not like i never tried before mm-hmm. this was like my, my favorite show it was the first time i've done uh my joke about batman and the haitian batman and robin mm-hmm. that day and then that was the that was the first uh that that was one of my memorable shows then after that there was the show that got viral on the internet where i was actually doing the joke of batman and robin and that show was a cool show because on the on the show it was a whole bunch of american comics I think this is the first time that people discovered that, oh, he does it in English as well, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, and I remember uh, on that show, uh, Jay Farrell was on that show, and he wasn't known back then. He was just like a... I think in Montreal? Had, yeah, he added himself on the show. Okay. Uh, I don't know how. I think he contacted the, mm-hmm. the Wildland Brothers, mm-hmm. to, and then he, they, they put him on the show a bit of a last minute. So he okay. came... Oh, I remember he came, that show. Yeah, he yeah. came from... He came with his sister and blah, blah, and that's how we became friends, and we, 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 we've been friends until now. Um, so that was a great show, where I was like able to see to see like... Other comics, I say, oh, this guy knows how to do comedy. It was a, it was a memorable moment. Then there's uh, my sketch that I did on on, on my second gala just pour when I was making fun of the 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 the, the cartoon Tintin au Congo. Yeah, uh, that was something else. Uh, there's a whole bunch of shows like that. My first one man show uh, was also something. So was when, it on TV? The first one man show. My first one man show. Yeah, we. So I did a premiere. I toured it for like a year, year and a half, and then we recorded for TV. So it was it was shown on TV. Uh, TV out. Last year, I shot a special for Canal D that was aired on the, in December. Also, we did that at Casino de Montréal. Mm. It was a, it was a, a new hour of material that I did that. So there's a whole bunch of shows like that. I'm like, oh, you know what? That was those good moments. Since you know? you've been uh, like you're you're part of an industry that's mostly white mm-hmm. and. Not only is it mostly white, they're really not aware of our culture or yeah. our, our cultures. Yeah. So, like, sometimes when you do shows, do people come up to you and say, shit, I, I didn't know certain things about you or about your culture that uh, uh, I learned uh, a lot of stuff today? A lot of time. A lot of time. It's so funny because right now the piece I'm working on right now, <laughs> uh, 
it's a it's a piece where I'm talking about interracial dating and my relationship with inter, inter, interracial dating. And when I go through the whole set, a lot of people come to me after they're like, "Oh, look, it's a, it's very interesting what you you were saying. I didn't have this perspective mm-hmm. of things, you know." So yeah, like uh, this, uh, it, like I think I'm that type of comic uh, where I'm uh, I'm I'm not scared to tackle hard issues. This is the type of comic that I am. So, mm-hmm. of course, at the end, when the material works, people are going to come and see me and say, oh, you know what? I'm glad that you spoke about it. Oh, man, you opened my eyes on a couple of things. And, you know. Well, every week on Radio Canada, you do the, you, you do the uh, well, not every week, but a few times a, a yeah. month, you do yeah. the, um, the chronic with, uh, what's his name again? Uh, uh, Alain Gravel. Alain Gravel. Well, well, you're very well known in Quebec. I think I've even seen a clip on YouTube where you, like, Celine Dion knew of you. Like, you guys were on stage together. Um. No, it wasn't Celine Dion. It was René Angélil, her husband. Okay. Yeah, we did uh, we did an, uh, a show to, together called Tout le monde en parle. Mm. And uh, yeah, so rest was, in peace, to yeah, rest in peace, yeah. Angelique, a very great dude. I was, I was really glad to meet him. And then we, we went to eat after and everything. So it was yeah. cool. Now, t- when while we were preparing, you said that um, you were shooting a movie where you had a stunt double. So tell, <laughs> yeah, us, tell yeah. us a little bit of what you got going on right now. So you- I shot a movie uh, called uh, I don't even I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the name, but it was it was sh- it was uh, the director is uh, Denis Arcand. Okay. Oh, oh okay. that's a big no. name right <laughs> here. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Denis Arcand. So yeah, I'm, uh, I have a role in this movie. Is it something based here or based based here? Okay, yeah, cool. based here in French. In French, yeah. Oh, dope. It's, uh, it's a sort of. Uh, Are there any other big actors in the movie? Oh, well, I mean, big actors. Actually, I mean, Quebecer actors. Actually, I think he did on pur- he did on purpose because all the actors, almost except for the main actor, they all have they all sort of big names. So I know this this Rémi Gérard, mm-hmm. this Gaston Lepage, Zeddy King. Yeah, there's Eddie King. <laughs> there's um, Louis Morissette. Yeah, Louis Morissette. Louis Morissette. Yeah, and all my scenes were with him. <laughs> so Louis Morissette, uh, yeah, he was a He's funny dude. Yeah. Uh, Mariana Maza has a small part. There's Yann England, England that has a, a part too. Yann England, which is, this guy fascinates me, man. Mm-hmm. His story is like, you know, he was, uh, not, yeah, last year, he was nominated for for an Oscar. Who? How? Yann England for best short film. Really? Oh yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quebecers, Quebecers were nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I and saw he them told at the me about all his adventure and everything, and he was very. Even Denis Arcand told me about his adventure. Yeah, yeah. He got to the Oscar, and it's uh, it's very it's very cool to hear those stories, and and also it makes you feel makes you like believe it, that you can get there. Yeah, because a lot of times of we course. believe that when we're in Montreal and Quebec, we can't get to the Oscars or. The, the Golden Globes and things of that nature. Mon- but almost every two years, there's a Quebecer movie in those galas. Well, no, Denis Arcand is one of the... Denis Arcand and the other young dude. Um, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve? Also, also Denis Villeneuve. But there's another guy. There's another young guy. I can't uh-huh. remember his name right now, but they're considered as some of the biggest directors in Hollywood right now. So yeah, what was his name again, man? I, I really can't remember oh, his name right now. Uh, Point yeah. is, man... I, when it comes to Hollywood in in Quebec, it's, it oh, used it's Hollywood is big in Quebec, man. Yeah, yeah. There's always movies shot in Montreal. Xavier Dolan. Yeah. There's always movies shot in Montreal. Yeah. Um, just not too long. This past summer, Bruce Willis was shooting a movie in Miami. Yeah, every, all the yeah. time. All day, like every it's about day. to come out. Death Wish. It yeah. was shot in. Lichy. I just found out the other day John Wick was John Wick Two was filmed here. John Wick Two. Yeah, I I saw I noticed it and I forgot. There's scenes in the metro in Place uh, Place des Arts Metro. That were filmed here. Yeah, there's a lot of movies shot in Montreal. A lot of movies shot like that here. So, um, to coming back to to stand up comedy, 
in Quebec, mm. I feel like comedy has been, for the most part, very, very white. To come back to when you were doing that audition and mm. you were doing things about yourself mm. and they said, oh, you're doing ethnic comedy or we've seen yeah. this before. Or Rashid Badouri, who's like Arab, but to them is like different. So yeah, it's the same. You guys are all the same. Yeah. You're doing him. Mm. I feel like in Quebec, because it's usually so white, they're not as welcoming to just different. We've had big names like Anthony Cavana, Michel Mambaha, mm -hmm. but there's not that many. How do you navigate through that field that's so dominated by white <laughs> comedians? So first thing, it is dominated by white people and you're surrounded by a lot of white people that are not aware they, of they, your culture that don't necessarily relate uh, to your jokes. Oh, they do relate. I make sure they relate <laughs> because first of all, when I joke and when I talk about a subject, I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about my opinion on the subject. I'm talking about how I feel. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to discuss feeling because my feeling, you probably felt the same way at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe the subject is not the same, but if I'm telling you I'm scared, you've been scared before. Mm -hmm. But if I'm telling you uh, I'm scared of the cops and you say, uh, and the white man say, oh, I'm scared of, uh, I don't know, like uh, dogs. Mm -hmm. Well, we have the same feeling, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And when I do tell my jokes, I always make sure that I, re I try to relate. Like for example, one of the jokes, you know, when I was talking about the interracial dating mm -hmm. and I'm picking a girl in the, in the crowd, a white girl, I'm telling you, like if me and you were a couple, uh, you know that uh, no matter how much you love me and how much you support me, you will never understand the feeling of being black, how mm. hard it is to being black, right? And I'm telling you, so for example, our relationship with the cops and blah, 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 blah. So I'm telling that. And at some point, I find, I just find a way to describe her the feeling. And it's a joke that works very well. So basically, I'm telling her, okay, if I had to describe you the feeling that I have when I'm driving and there's cops just patrolling around, mm -hmm. like, for you, it's normal. But for me, it's like if you would be in the ocean Surrounded, surrounded by, by sharks, sharks <laughs> while you have your periods. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is how I feel every day. You know, you know what I mean? So now she's like, oh shit, that would be fucked up. <laughs> so now she understands how I feel. You know what I mean? So that's how I relate to people. Even if I talk about my experience, my, 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 my life. So that's how I found a way to always be, uh, be able to relate. Of course, I'm not, if my punches were about like something very cultural about, uh, about being black or being Congolese or being, of course, it would be harder to cross over mm -hmm. or to, to, uh, to be able to talk to the mainstream audience, you know, you know what I mean? But this is not how I write, I write by telling you how I feel. It's Tell me human. if I'm wrong in that. Uh, this is my opinion. I feel like for black comedians to work in Montreal or Quebec, you have to be good at making fun of Quebecers. If you look at Michel Mambara, yeah, a lot of his comedy yeah. was that. I feel like if you don't have a portion of that in your comedy, you won't get them to come and see you. Well, because they uh, don't really Before you see if your answer, uh -huh. who are you going to talk to if you're not talking to your audience? And the mass here are Quebecers, so you have to talk to them about them, no? Well, that's the thing. In the U.S., Black stand-up com comedians don't necessarily talk to white people. Yeah, because they have more than 300,000 people that they can talk to. And I'm yeah. saying 300 as a mass. 
Like three hundred, your my my mother's not gonna go see a comedy show, and she's part yeah. of that three hundred thousand. Whereas in the U.S., you can do shows every night, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You could be only in the black circuit and still and, and address only to black people. You know, like those, the, like for example, comedians like Bruce Bruce, or you know, you know those type yeah. of comedian that that just Lil Duval. Yeah, Lil yeah. Duval, mm-hmm. so like Michael Blackson, mm-hmm. you know, all those comics, they do the black They're circuit. niche, black yeah, comedy. Exa- exactly. But um, here, I don't, here, I don't necessarily have to mock white people. or did, it, It's very hard to answer your question because, to be quite honest, we're not that many mm-hmm. black comics in Quebec. And uh, not to be mean, but there's a lot of them, actually, they are able to... Uh, do well, not necessarily because they mock black people, uh, white people, but more because they mock themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's very hard to answer, the, to have a, like a right answer to your question. I just know that um, I don't say like, oh shit, let me let me make fun of white people. So I'm going to have a, a out, white I'm audience. No, because mm-hmm. anyways, they're going to get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they the, the way I'm able to to make uh, my comedy relevant is because I'm talking about myself and my experience. Like that you could be white, black, the or anything. The human side of things. Yeah, the human side of yeah. things. You could be white, black, or any any race, any color, any man, you I have kids. I'm gonna talk about my kids. Mm. Yo, you know, we have the same problems. You know what I mean? Sometimes my uh I talk I talk I talk I talk about them through my black lens to, mm-hmm. to, 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 if I could say it like that yeah. mm-hmm. or to my black experience so my, with my cultural background but nevertheless you, we still have the same experience when it comes to having kids you know mm. now let's go away from comedy uh, talk about what's going on in the world today mm. um, did you guys watch the Golden Globes yesterday nope I mostly <clears throat> saw the pictures of the red carpet the ladies with the dresses movie and awards and show suits. awards no, unless something big happened uh, there. But I did see clips of the Oprah speech. Did yeah. you guys watch the speech that Oprah gave last night? I watched it this morning because it was, again, you said it was on my feed. And then I just went to watch it. It was great. It was Oprah being Oprah. Yeah, yeah literally. I, the women savior. Women Jesus. That's what Oprah is. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah, Oprah, man, is... I don't know if you guys ever, because I, I listen to Charlemagne and he always says that he's listened to Oprah's podcast. So I, I turned it on once. A Sunday, it was a Sunday morning. I turned it on. And honestly, it's like God was just there talking to me. Like, oh, <laughs> yo, Oprah's I, deep, bro. <laughs> Oprah's, oh, fuck, well. I don't know. How, she's just a talk show host at the end of the day, but she's fucking deep. Oh yeah, She's okay. Really I need deep, I need bro. to get on that. <laughs> I never I never checked it out, but I did hear Charlemagne mention it countless yeah, yeah, times yeah. as well. Yeah, she's deep because she has a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Doing a talk show and dealing with deep issues. Yeah, on she has that a lot talk. of traumatic yeah. experiences also in her life. Exactly, yeah. she's went through. She's gone through a yeah. lot of experiences, like crazy experiences. But her show on a daily basis was dealing with people that were dealing with crazy circumstances yeah whether it's you lost your parent you haven't seen it in 30 years kids that were raped that faced their rape vis- victims mm-hmm. or i remember skinheads like yeah. coming on the show and yeah, saying yeah. why they represent skinheads and why they hate minorities and all mm-hmm. like they've we've seen a whole lot of things go on the oprah show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now she just has all of that stuff balled up and when it's time to give a speech it's not that difficult, as we as we said. 
before we started recording, it felt like she was just reading. freestyling. Yeah. Like she was reading, not reading, reading a prompter. She was not reading but cards. But it felt like she was reading because it was not not like she, she didn't sound like she was reading. It but felt like it was written. Exactly. It's, it was for sure it was written. Yeah, it, for yeah, sure. yeah, it was written. Yeah, yeah. It, def- it definitely was, wrote it at home. Because but, anyways, even even when uh, Barack Obama does a speech, mm-hmm. it's written. Of course. Yeah, but, but he he he, ta- he tells it like it's just Obama came smooth, out of his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obama's smooth. That, that nigga should be smoking a a, mile, <laughs> a black and mild every time he's talking, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that Oprah speech, I felt like it was a message to women. This past year, or the past two years, or mm-hmm. it felt at least since Trump has been the president, yeah. we've seen so many allegations of sexual misconduct mm-hmm. towards yeah. women. We've heard the cries of women claiming that they're not treated equally at work even mm-hmm. more in the past year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, I would say they were finally heard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah finally yeah, yeah. heard because... They've been saying all these things for years for and years. For decades. And years. Yeah. But they, now they're finally seeing... I, I think they've always been heard, but they were dismissed. Mm-hmm. Now they're finally seeing consequences to men misbehaving toward women. But I think as a case yeah. for any type of minority, especially in 2017, and the time of whoever's on top... This like systemic is, oppression? Is over. Uh, I'm not, systemic I'm not, oppression. When I say over, I mean, like, of course, the oppressor's still there and... Whoever's in control is still there, but now everybody has a voice. I'm not too sure, man. I'm not too sure about that because, you know, when all these allegations came out, you know, I'm so happy because we could only honestly say that it was a before 2017 and then after yeah, 2017. Outside of Bill Cosby, this, everything was after everything was after Trump. Yeah, yeah. Basically, so Bill Cosby things, was the only one after, after, after Weinstein. Weinstein. After Weinstein. Like after yeah. Weinstein, like every even here in Quebec, like Gilbert Rozon. Yeah. yeah. Eric Just like, for laughs, yeah, a gala yeah, that you've yeah. been on many exactly. times. Exactly. And I know Gilbert actually. I know mm-hmm. it personally. So when even that came out, it, it hurt. You know, mm-hmm. it really hurt. You know, and I'm glad that. All these things came out, and finally, that woman I heard, and I'm, and I know that right now, thing, things are changing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I could say it's the same for minority because mm. it's a bittersweet for me. Where I'm like, I'm, I'm happy for all these women, but as a black male, I'm sad because before that, for like at least two years, you could see every day. A man yeah, killed yeah, by the cops definitely. every day. Every day, police officers mm-hmm. getting away with murder. Mm-hmm. I thought we were on the verge of thing changing. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Now it's just that it we got to a point where we're kind of tired of talking about it. So that's why we we're not we're not the hot topic anymore. Mm-hmm. Nope. But it's still happening. It is very much so still happening. You understand? Right now, the hot topic is sexual misconduct. Exactly. Yep. We we pass and for us black male, nothing changed. Nothing, nothing changed. changed at all. As None a matter of fact, a good point. As a matter of fact, have you guys seen the new ad by H&M? <laughs> yes, that's the coolest monkey in the jungle. Oh my god, man. I'm I try, mean, I'm trying I'm trying not to you know what? I'm trying to preserve my brain from those type of things mm-hmm. because especially as an entertainer and at some point that has a voice is very tiring. To always, that's a social comment. Jump, jump on that on the same kind of yeah. bullshit all the time. So I didn't say like on even on my social media. I didn't even comment on it because I'm like, you know what? I think I need to preserve my brain not to be too mad or too you know. Sometimes you know, 
self-care. <laughs> self-care, bro. <laughs> self-care. By staying away. You know, I just like, you know what? Let me ignore this. <laughs> because uh, probably there's going to be a bigger issue that you need to save your energy for when it comes to us again. I you know absolutely what I mean? believe that. And yeah. I think, um, to, for me personally, when I, when I saw it, just before you go, go into your point, just so we let the listeners From know, context. what we are referring to is an ad by H&M with a black boy, early teens, I would say, wearing a green sweater. No, younger than that. That says... Yeah, it was yeah, about eight. Like maybe, nine, okay, eight, eight nine. nine. Ten, yeah. Um, He's wearing a green sweater that says, coolest monkey in the jungle. And that's a shirt that they were promoting to sell. Okay. So first off, we have to put it in context of a photo shoot okay. before we start crying wolf. I think it's fucking wrong. Obviously, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying there's a, there was a mistake on the part of a line of people because whoever the stylist, whoever designed it, to me, the person didn't say this is for black people. That's number one, right? They thought about it as probably monkey in the jungle, uh, kids playing in the park, whatever, whatever, whatever they thought about. It wasn't aimed at black people. Or else you're saying that you're expecting only black people to buy it. But anyway, whatever. Then the stylist that got it and put it on the... And again, in the context of a photo shoot, they didn't shoot it only once with only one person. Impossible. I'm sure they shot it with many models. A bunch of kids. So therefore, most likely the black kid looked the best in it. Most likely. Where the problem comes. And again, this is with everything that we've been complaining about, especially in Quebec. You can't have an international company or a company that you're selling to a bunch of people of different cultures and not have diversity in your staff. This is where the problem always comes back to because it's not this. I don't think this was malicious. It can't, it just can't be. It's business wise. It'd be stupid for an international company to say, you know what? Fuck black people. Let's just put this kid in. It just made no make sense. But the problem is the bigger problem is instead of this stupid shirt is that there's no diversity at the top. Mm. Whoever says, okay, this is a go. Obviously is a white person that doesn't fuck with black people. Mm-hmm. That's the real problem. Because had it been an Arabic person that has black friends, they would have been like, "Yo, this is funny." Had it been a white person that had white black friends, had it been a black person, anybody else that has any type of cultural sense would see that this makes no sense on a black boy. So that's where the real problem lies for me. To be to to be honest, it's a, it's a very good point. But I thought when I thought about that, I was like, maybe it comes earlier than that. Mm-hmm. I was really like, where were the parents? Yeah. How come like? At the photo shoot, mm. you see, because the kid cannot be alone yeah, at the photo true. shoot. Yeah. So you saw your kid wearing this and you didn't say anything unless the kid was maybe adopted and even then or it's still wrong. Or maybe as a handler or something like that. But yeah. th- but still, but still. It, it's still yeah, wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, it's still wrong. You know what I mean? I think they tried many models, like you said. Mm-hmm. But like you said, maybe the black boy looked better in that sweater mm-hmm. compared to other models. Mm-hmm. But putting that shirt out there, Fred, I think it was definitely done deliberately because it's impossible that you see a black boy, not a light-skinned boy. That's your problem. A black boy in a sweater that says, coolest monkey in the jungle, Mm -hmm. and you don't say, this is wrong. Another Mm -hmm. thing I want to point out. I I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Why coolest monkey in the jungle? It's not even a cool shirt to wear for a white boy. There's nothing cool about a monkey in the jungle. That, that's not true. That's not in context. 
when you're talking about the jungle kids, the zoo, whatever, you can you can put it in a bunch of other ways, a bunch of ways that actually make sense. You cannot look at that shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're if you're 80 years old, maybe not, but I doubt that the executive yeah. is that that old. But if you're 50 and younger mm-hmm. and you see that boy in that shirt, mm-hmm. whether you live in Europe or in America, yeah. You're, you know there is something that's, wrong that's with the that issue. That's the problem. First off, I don't know where it was shot, but I, I do believe it was European, right? I think it was that's European. Already, that's already a cutoff right there. Me- meaning? Meaning, uh, what the, depending on the country, obviously, black culture in a lot of European countries compared to North America, especially the US, isn't as prominent. So, therefore, the uh, issue, the black would, issue, depending on the country, though, obviously. I would argue, well, if, you, if you're talking about the North country, like Norway and stuff like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah but when, because H&M is from Switzerland. It's from I, Sweden or Switzerland? Sweden, I think. Okay. Maybe. But I don't know if that's where they shot it. Yeah. I'll, give them, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that that's where they shot it. Okay. So, we have to, yo, we have to keep in mind, some, some white people don't know shit about black culture. They really don't. And it's it sounds surprising sometimes, and you sometimes you don't want to believe it, but they really don't. And that's again, that's the fault of the people. That's you have to blame the people that are on top that do know black black culture that decided to dismiss it because to them it doesn't sell. So mm. that's the to me, that's the real issue that again, the pe- people on top can't only be white people that are making decisions for everybody. I think I'm I'm very torn between your two opinions because this, that's what, what, is good. what you what you're saying. It makes sense in this. That's why I want to believe. But mm-hmm. part of me is like, dude, they've been doing these things yeah. for so much, for so long, for for so many times that I'm like, because it's not the first time that H&M have an issue. Like yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. also had it before yes. with the Jew star yeah. on a sort of like mm-hmm. a, some sort of a pajamas and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm wondering, man, is there like someone like a white supremacist undercover that just say, hey, you know what? Let me let, put let me slide this. Because we got enough through. money to but, deal with the bullshit anyway. One of the funny things about it is. Again, we're discussing this with JD earlier. Is uh, the M sound? The M sounds uh, stands for. Uh, I just I uh, what just was the checked again? it out. I'll tell you. It's, it's a, a Jewish second. name. I know the H and Henness and Moritz. I think that's bo- what both H&M of them might. For. Sorry, I think both the names might be Jewish actually. So okay, it is from Sweden. It is Swedish. Sometimes, to be quite honest, when they do those type of things, mm-hmm. I I want to believe that they know what they're doing. But some like when I go back to. Um, to uh occupation double a couple of months ago <laughs> yeah. okay. we talked about it on, yeah. this, on to this be podcast quite, to be quite honest it was uh it was a great it was great publicity because yeah. <clears throat> let me tell you something if you're black of course you're offended mm-hmm. of course you're offended but if the people that buys buys your clothes the black people the the, the black people that buys your clothes the percentage of black people that buys your clothes is less than the white people and most of the white people is like, I'm gonna look at black people complaining again, uh, blah, blah. I don't see anything wrong. Yo, to them, H&M, then it's a publicity. That's a win. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a win for them. Yeah. So this, that's that aspect, what I'm wondering, is it that bad for to, business? To, this, to that point, what percentage of black people are actually buying H&M compared to the white people? I don't know, but let's... Let me, Not let me that ask. big of a percentage. What was but it that, for? that's exactly his point. He's yeah. saying because it's a small percentage yeah. of us buying the clothes... They don't care. Let's my, say, let's my say, point is let's, this. Let's, let's say Because you, you were saying earlier... Hold I'll get back to you. You were saying earlier that it was deliberate. So I deliberately made shirts 
not caring to, about the consequences. No, no, no. To insult black people no, no, that no, no, I know. No, not to insult. No, not they made the shirt to insult black yeah. people. They made the ad. They mm-hmm. let the ad slide. It wasn't an ad though. That that no no that's that's a big deal. That's that's difference. An ad is something that you deliberately put out there. They just put out the shirt. So now we're yes. saying. Well, how did they yeah, put out the shirt without the It was a catalog, right? It was a, ca- it's it's a catalog. catalog. It's so a, it is. It's not an ad. It's a catalog. It's just, it's for you to pick and go. Like, okay. It's not like a big billboard with a black kid. That that would have been a world of a difference. I would have been, it would have been as bad and even worse. Whereas, and I'm not saying it, it excuses anything. I'm just saying there's a difference between having an ad that's racist. Yeah, but someone racist. chooses the pictures to go in yeah. the catalog. Yeah. And that same person is probably linked or is the person that chooses the one that goes on the billboard. So mm-hmm. you're in the same process. Those people no. know. No. Yes. No, you, because you, whatever you put out, whatever you put out as an ad, you test it first. You don't do that with catalog, the catalog pictures. Put it this way. Yeah. If tomorrow every black people in the world would boycott H&M. Mm-hmm. Would H&M die? No. There you go. I get, I get that point. You, I, you, I, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I definitely get that point, yeah. So it was just like, but for white people that didn't know H&M and that don't see anything wrong with that mm-hmm. ad, then they will know of H&M now. More, you know. But in 2017, so could, in, the, in the social media era, is it worth it? Because that doesn't hurt you only with black people at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how you say it in English, but yeah, talk about it whichever way, but just talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what happened. Yeah. But this is theory, theory that could work actually. Yeah. Because now, we, hate now it, look, you're gonna watch it. Anyway. How many times did we say H and M? A whole a lot few of times. times. <laughs> now, then, then someone that, that didn't hear about the story probably is gonna hey, let me Google it, mm-hmm. and then maybe gonna fall into into the website. Oh shit, I like that shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And end up buying it. I'll give y'all that, but my point is that I think we need to focus more on the fact that there's nobody taking decisions. That's black. you're totally right on that. More than oh, this bullshit ad just came out. Because at the end of the day, it might have been, let's say let's say everybody was against it. And this happened before with other things. And it's the webmaster that said, oh, fuck it. Let me just put this in there. This shit happens. It happens all the time. So now we're focused on one picture instead of focusing on the bigger picture. That there, were, that there are no black or people of minorities as executives. I think that's the way bigger picture than anything. Today, I went to the mall to pierce my baby's ears. And I saw a girl that works at H&M. Okay. And I walked up to her with my phone and I said, was this addressed at work today? I expected her to tell me no. And indeed, she told me no, it was not addressed. Mm-hmm. And it probably will not be addressed in Montreal or maybe even in Canada. But they, like made, they made a formal apology, no? I haven't seen it. Maybe yeah, yeah, I'm they, not they, sure. They, 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 There's they, no they, way they're slipping on that. They already they slipped did. way too When deep. did they do that? Today? Yeah. Most likely. I think it was today, yeah. But when even, even, even more so... <clears throat> um, Put it this way, on your social media feed, mm-hmm. how many white people or white friends that you have that posted it? Uh, I'd have to check, but None. but he's barely on social media, so you know, none doesn't even matter. <laughs> 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 but I'd have to check, but I saw a lot of them responding to it. Oh, come, yeah. yeah commenting yes. to it. Yes, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. I mean, on social media, it was a big topic today. Uh, as a matter of fact, while we were coming here and setting up, the cameraman, shout out to Dave, 
Speedy Dave again. He brought it up. And I'm curious to see where it's going to go and if there's going to be it's more. And there. And that's, again, that's the problem. But that's, that's why I think it's it was blatant. It's, it's fake outrage. We're outraged for a day. And then just like we were talking about with, the, with, with all the guys that died in the last two, three years, it's fake outrage and we just move on. I don't, I don't think. I don't but think that's why I, I think it was put out there because they knew it would be just forgotten in a week. I don't think it's fake uh, um, uh, outrage. I think it's a real out outrage. But it's the, the problem that we have, I think, as black people, life is coming at us too fast. Um, no, I think I think we still have a lot of work to do uh, by organizing ourselves to show our power. Mm. You know, you know what I mean. Um, it will take time because you know we don't come over. 400, 400 years of slavery and colonialism and just get organized just, you know, mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, and they're really working on disorganizing us. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes, definitely. Everything, every part, law, in, every... In, in, in any part of the world, when you come about, you talk about the, the, the United States history, mm -hmm. they kill so many of the leaders. When you talk about African history, they kill so many of the leaders. Haiti. A lot of the laws exactly. that they establish are not to go against black people but to slow them down yeah. at least every so, every not i don't want to say everything but a lot of stuff they establish is so that we can't catch up as fast so they don't control, want us to be in control, the same control that's it so basically um what i'm saying is that we have more power than we think yeah, yeah and yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, hard yeah. it's harder to think collectively than Individually, yeah. mm -hmm. one individual could, for example, Oprah has a lot of power on her own. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, but uh, if we all get together, we could like have so much. Like, let me tell you something, and I always said, took that as an example. If tomorrow, okay, we say here in Montreal, yeah, you know what, fuck this. We don't like how white people are treating us in Quebec. They did another black face on TV. Mm -hmm. Fuck this. For one week, every black person that work in the health system will stop working for one fucking week. What happens? There's no health system. <laughs> There you go. This is power. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. This is if we, this is the way if we organize ourselves, mm -hmm. we could say, hey, don't fuck around with us mm -hmm. because this is... I'm you telling you because you need if us. We, yeah, you need us. If we are able to demonstrate that that power, then they will treat us differently. Mm -hmm. And when I say demonstrate, it's not to go out to that extent, mm -hmm. right? But it's there's other ways to kind of. And the Jewish people have been the best. Yeah, but at we, flexing we, their muscles. We've like done that. it a lot. We've done yeah. it like in the Montgomery. Even bus. Asians have been pretty good at yeah. it. Yeah, the Montgomery bus boycott. Black people have done it before. It's just, I think it's a lack of leadership. Yeah. It's a lack of Definitely. leadership. Because when there were leaders and black people decided, you know what, anywhere in the world, I'm saying the US because that's the, the, the example I know the best. But, and again, even watching the 1804 movie the other day in Haiti too, when they decided, you know what, we're not going to be slaves no more. And then there were great leaders and strong yeah. leaders. Yeah. Black people did what they had to do. I think right now there's a real lack of leadership and like you said, togetherness. Of course, because they always get rid of our leaders. Yeah, yes. they always yeah. Kill they always leaders. find a way to try to split us. I think it's when it comes to Haitians, it might have been one of the last times, if not the last time, as a country, we just decided to just join forces and do something together. Like you know, you hear the saying all the time: 
like Haitians don't like each other and Haitian mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If a Haitian is opening a bakery here, there's another one opening one like across the street instead of joining forces. Like we, because of the way we've been dominated, enslaved, and colonized, sometimes we act like the crab in a barrel. We have the crab in a barrel mentality. And since you're, first, it's like you know, you're the house nigga, and I'm in, I'm still in the field. And I don't want to see you in a house while I'm still think, burning out it, there in the field. I think it's deeper than that because we haven't been enslaved since 1804, right? Yeah. Since, but the mentality since, is still there. It's not even, it's not the mentality and people always blame it on us. It's not us, man. If you look, and I've read books on this and I've seen reports. If you look at what at Haitian history, especially the US and France, they've done everything to make sure that th- that country doesn't prosper. Yes. So it's not because, oh, we don't want to get together. It's because they keep fucking with us. And as a as a country with lesser resources, if the ones with the bigger resources are always fucking with you, you're never going to get on top. You're never going to be on your feet. And also, uh, I feel like oppressed people, they have the same symptoms of what you were describing too. Mm-hmm. Because what you describe about black people or Haitian people mm-hmm. uh, is this, when you look at closely, is the same thing mm-hmm. for Quebec people. Quebecois mm, people, mm. oh man, you yeah, dude. Mo- most, you know how many of my colleagues, like my colleagues, uh, comedians, mm-hmm. are like millionaires, and you don't see the millionaires. Yeah, I'm sure. Could you tell if you if yeah. you if you if you ran into Louis José Oud or mm-hmm. François Bellefeuille, nah. you could you tell they're millionaires? No. Nah. You know why? Because if they do, they're gonna be hated on. Look at Celine Dion when she was still here. Mm-hmm. How she was hated. Mm-hmm. How mean they were to her. Man, Jean-Marc Parent, good buddy of mine. Yeah. This guy, dude. This when he guy, was big, he has the purest heart ever. I love this guy. Like really, like mm-hmm. yo, this my dude. But you know when he was away from the game for seven years, just because people were calling him ugly, and only because Fat, he was probably. successful. Yeah, only because he because was doing before well. Before he was on that platform, he was yeah. He was their he was their prince charming. Like who man, who didn't do flashes light with Flash Jean Marc I came in this country. I was like, oh, this is what we do in Quebec. Yeah. Let me do it too. Flash you, know? <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I mean. So in Quebec, Quebecois people have the same also uh, mentality because they've been oppressed for so long by the English people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The only now they got over, you know, they 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 got the game back power, but they still have, and it's it takes a long time to get rid of this uh, mentality, this mentality and this behavior. You know, I'd like to ask you, um, do you watch sports? <clears throat> I do. Okay. Mostly combat sports. Uh, and only when it's big events or if I know a fighter. It's perfect, actually. <laughs> A few weeks ago, not a few, few months ago, there was a big fight. It was probably the biggest combat sport fight in at least a decade, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking marketing, not the actual fight, but marketing-wise, but the, it the was f- probably the biggest fight of the decade. But the fight was not that bad, man. It was not that bad. I'm talking about the Floyd Mayweather versus yeah. Conor McGregor fight. Yeah. What was your opinion about the circus before the fight? Uh, obviously, they tried to do the black white thing again. Obviously, uh, when I saw the circus before, I, I didn't follow it too much, but I was like, "Oh man, they're good." 
they're good. This is gonna sell. They did it. They do exactly what they're supposed <laughs> they, to do. They, they, they did sell. They uh, promoted they, the oh, shit out of that oh, fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was perfect because you know uh, McGregor with his big mouth and Floyd with his big mouth. It was the perfect match. It was really the perfect. Floyd looked shy in front of McGregor. Funny enough, <laughs> I think McGregor, is so, McGregor was the personality of this fight. Though. He was the promoter of that fight. Yeah, yeah I think I think uh, Floyd didn't have to do much. Mm-hmm. About that fight, so I think he just did what he supposed he was supposed to do, and and you know he got out of retirement for that fight, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically just had to come and take the check, you know what I mean? So yeah. But the fight was actually, you know what? Uh, for the first two rounds, I got scared a little bit because <laughs> this McGregor was doing. He was doing a good job. He, he looked good. Yes, yes. he looked. Not good. he was doing so much of a good job, but he looked Look, good. Mm-hmm. He looked like a belong. He belonged. He didn't look like he was. Uh, yeah, he was too lost yeah, in the ring. Exactly. So, and I was like, "Oh my God, what's going on, Floyd? Wake up, wake up!" But then, knowing boxing, I think Floyd was trying to sell that fight. If Floyd came out and knocked him out, it would have been boring. So I think no, Floyd no. let him. No, 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 at, no, no. Well, how I old think, is Floyd? Forty. Yeah, forty. Forty. 40, 40 Floyd's something. not knocking out anybody at forty, bro. Especially not a guy that takes it on the chin every night. Yes, Pause. but I think he could have no. got done with McGregor no. much faster than he did. No, uh, no, but I don't think that was his plan. Exactly. No, I don't think it was mark for marketing. I think it's just that he knew that. Because I do MMA, right? Okay. That's that's one of one of one of the things I do, and I'm more I'm no much more specialized in Muay Thai, right? Mm-hmm. And I know the difference between the two sports of when I have to go and do English boxing, and how uh, hard it is, how you know going. To, 12 round, I never did that in my life, and I will never do that in my life. <laughs> never. Yo, it's hard. Never. Three times five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what I can handle, mm-hmm. you know, in my best shape, you know. That's what that's what I can handle. Mm-hmm. But boxers, they set up to do 12 times three minutes. So all Floyd had to do is, like we say, take him into deep water, and that's all he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have to work that much, you know. Of course, in the beginning, I was like, oh, man, he's he getting blows, but Floyd knows. He knows, and also he also knows how to ride those punch to a point where they not that effective because mm-hmm. he know how to roll his roll, body and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, uh, and see, Floyd still look good at the end, like Definitely when did. they never no mm-hmm. scratch, no no nothing. You know, what, you know what I mean. There was there was no he didn't get hurt. There were moments like you said at the beginning, but there was no way whatsoever. <laughs> And unless it was a lucky punch, which happens, lucky punches are part of sports, combat sports. But there was no way. Yeah, but this lucky punch and hitting Floyd with a lucky yeah, punch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hitting yeah, Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Period. On top yeah. of that, hard so thing, your man. chances go even lower with with Floyd <laughs> yeah. in the ring with you. So there yeah. was no way McGregor was beating Floyd. There was just there was just no way. Have you guys heard the rumors of Floyd? going to fight in the UFC. The crazy rumors. Yeah, but I think it's just bullshit. It's, it's <laughs> never going to happen. That's, like That's probably the UFC trying to sell more tickets. Definitely. Yeah. Like, how is anyone entertaining that idea? Floyd no. is never... Floyd would get murdered yeah. by the weakest UFC fighter. Yeah. Like, there's no possibility. I could, I could, like, I could take Floyd in the cage. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I could, t- t- you know, that, that that's yeah. how when you come to the world of MMA, um, it's a different. It's world. a different world. I remember. I think I could say it now because he's, he's retired. <laughs> I remember, um, you know, uh, Jean Pascal is one of my close friends, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember in his living room one time we were fucking around and blah blah, mm-hmm. and 
in a matter of a few seconds, I was able to submit him. Because that's not his, and this guy is and this guy because huh? that's not his because that's not his thing. thing. Mm-hmm. But but this guy Jean is a force of nature. Yeah, no, no, hey, he, he's strong. Because if, no, if there's one, even when thing. I submitted him, dude, before I was able to finish my submission, I tried to take him into an art bar. He lift me up with one arm. You know what I mean? And was nice enough not to slam me on the floor. <laughs> he wasn't. T- he wasn't t- thinking of me. I think he was thinking of his his furniture. <laughs> but but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But but just to tell you that when you get in that world, it's it's over. Mm. It's like it's another world. Yeah, and this is why actually. Without even talking about MMA, mm-hmm. just Brazilian jiu-jitsu alone. Mm-hmm. This is one martial art that was, but this is why actually the UFC was created mm-hmm. because it was a martial art that was impossible to defeat. Almost, yeah. Because once you're on the floor, it's like done. it's like fighting a a, a, a python or mm-hmm. you know like a, of, uh, what's his face um uh, that Silver? legend there no not Silva uh, Gracie. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, and because those guys made the Gracie challenge, and that's how the UFC yeah, was made. You know I've what seen mean? these guys fight sumo fighters and beat them and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. That's how the UFC started. So you don't even have to punch Floyd to win that fight. Mm-mm. It's not even fair. Mm-mm. Like one takedown and it's over. Because he can't stop the takedown. That's the thing. No, no. no. Unless he, unless he has like, and again, it it have to be either super accurate or lucky. You come for the takedown and boom, there's no way you're stopping him. Other than that, there's no way there's no way he can stop a takedown. Absolutely no I'm way. I'm not even sure his punch could slow down someone that's rushing him. Bro, one punch at the wrong place? I guess. But <laughs> and mm-hmm. those, those aren't boxing gloves. And and, and also um also when like the same way punch you have to time a punch, you have to time also uh a, a takedown, mm-hmm. so there's timing to it also. So if like like you know, a guy like uh a, a, a Brooke Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, dude. Here's the thing. You know, we were all surprised when he left the WWE to go into yeah. the UFC. Mm-hmm. But I think he was a MMA fighter before the no, he, he was a wrestler. wrestler. He was a wrestler and and CAA wrestler. Oh yeah, yeah and you're that's right. why even with his weight, you see him move around yeah, yeah, on the yeah. floor like a ballerina. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if, if if Floyd would face someone like that, it's over. Even me, my first martial art was 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 uh, is Muay Thai. So that's where I was I thinking go. of Ken Shamrock. My bad. When you said uh, you said Brock Lesnar, but I was thinking of Ken Shamrock. Oh, okay, okay. Ken oh. Shamrock was an MMA fighter. Then went to the no, WWE. No, then oh, went back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even with my Muay Thai background, if I like, I had to learn how to get rid of my Muay Thai habit, not to take those takedowns. Because I've done Muay Thai. Is it? Um, I mean, while talking about translating Muay Thai to boxing, is it that much different? Yeah, because uh, boxers they use angles that are impossible in Muay Thai. Okay, because okay, okay, because of the feet. I could grab you. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I clinch you. I grab you. Uh, you will not approach me like that because I'll knee you or mm-hmm. I kick you. You know what I mean? Okay, You're not okay. gonna put your leg in front of me because I kick the shit out of your leg for yeah. for like five minutes and then you, you you'll be knocked out just by the leg. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But when you come into the world of boxing, you don't know these angles. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was training. Um, I was a uh, um, I was uh, at Shell Battle of MMA in Laval, right? Yeah. And every Saturday we do we do sparring, right? It's sparring with uh, everybody that you know mm-hmm. schools are prepar- preparing fights, and sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes you got UFC guys coming up, mm-hmm. and every, you know. And at some point, uh, one of the guys said, "Oh, yo, this guy's training for a boxing. He's training for a boxing uh, fight uh, next week. Can you put the gloves with him in boxing?" 
And I should have said no. <laughs> I should have said no. Dude, the guy was moving like he was like, bah, 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 and then he was not in front of me any, anymore. He was on my side, still punching me. You know what I mean? Which to me, I was like, oh my God, it's so, it's like every time I do English boxing, my, I, like, I take so many punches because I don't move my head like that because mm-hmm. I don't have to move my head yeah. like that. But they move their head all the time. They, they're hard targets. You know what I mean? So it's it's just it's just very two different sports. Where I like martial arts. I just don't like boxing. I'm not crazy about I, I want to use my feet. I gotta be able to use my feet. I'm the same. The feet's uh, great, but you but in, in in terms of self-defense, there's only like if you know it's minus 40 outside, man. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna kick someone in the head. That's not happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> gonna use your hands. <laughs> Once you start training for a specific type of f- fighting style, like you forget yeah. whatever's in your head. I guess. And that's what my dad has always said. My dad, the Haitian that he is, always said, I'll take judo and beat any other martial artist. I've always laughed at him because he always made fun of karate and, yeah. and he, all the guys that want to use feet and arms and shit. Yeah. Judo is, I mean, it's efficient, but... Yeah. You ain't whipping nobody's ass with judo. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? Whipping ass with judo? Like another... Oh, dude, em- dude. another, another no, 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 no. Another trained fighter, though. Yeah. You think so? That- why do you think Ronda Rousey was so... Because she's a Olympic she judo fighting fighter. Nobody. Huh? Because she ain't fighting nobody until she <laughs> fought somebody got her ass whooped. Bro, but she was dominant for she a long time kicked. because of yeah. judo. Yeah, grappling. She, she, was a, she was an Olympic. Mess, she was Olympic. making people submit pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Mess, don't mess with grappling. Mm. Grappling is very efficient. Mm. So judo, wrestling, it's actually... Yo, dude. You could, fight, you could be a trained fighter, but if I could throw you on the floor anytime I want... Oh, okay. Good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Judo is very efficient, just like wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't, dude, I don't mess around with wrestlers like that. <laughs> and I don't mess around with judo fighters like that because they, yo, know, they, they have a balance and they have, they are, they are hard to knock out. Oh, because, yeah. oh, dude, especially wrestlers, mm-hmm. they have a neck. Oh, yeah. They have yeah, a yeah, neck, yeah. man, a yeah, solid neck. neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the, ex- the exercise they do, you know, you're on, you're, you have your hands behind your back mm-hmm. and then you're on your feet and your forehead is on the floor and you just have to like, kind of like Push rock yourself, yourself. Yeah, off, the, off of your head. Yeah, exactly. Okay. To train that. No, man, yeah, don't mess with wrestling like that. <laughs> or judo. They strong. Well, I'm very glad you came and visited us on the podcast, man, Eddie. Uh, I wish we got you last week. It's, no, it's, it's a joke. We <laughs> got you, but yeah, last week I really actually tried to park as fast as possible, ran, and I, you went away, man. I, I didn't catch you, but, oh, I'm, but glad I'm, you came I'm here, I'm here today. You guys, I'm sorry about my voice, but I really wanted to do it still, you know. So women like raspy voices. You good? Huh? Women like raspy voices. <laughs> Jada just made a career out of this. <laughs> Titicus lasted 20 years, uh, man, with that raspy voice. <laughs> <laughs> Even that, man, I'm not trying. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, man, this is the end of the episode. This was episode 63. As usual, guys, you can always find the episodes the same usual spot. And again, the SoundCloud link has changed. It's soundcloud.com slash FMLpod. I'm sure Dave got it by now. Um, and yeah, man, tune in iTunes, Google play, YouTube. Now we post the videos on YouTube just about every week. So yeah, follow us, man. Tune in, comment, 
And we're going to give you our handles before we go. Eddie, give him your handles. Yeah, so basically, uh, Facebook is Eddie King. Uh, uh, Twitter is Eddie King, uh, E-D-Y-K-I-N-G. And uh, Instagram is Eddie King Kong. <laughs> so, yeah, follow me. Follow me. Uh, like I said, my my, my, my second one-man show, Mokunz, is coming out this mm. uh, this fall. Uh, yeah, every now and then I do some special on the tickets like for early buyers so mm-hmm. you go on my facebook page sometimes i do promo and uh and yeah, yeah we should we should definitely check it out most definitely freddie give him your handle at freddie f-r-a-d-d-y dot l-l-o-y-d on twitter tweets by lloyd that's l-l-o-y-d and Inst- and facebook is the same thing as usual my handle is l-i-t-o-b-r-i-g-a-n-t-e i don't have twitter facebook is carlito brigante mm-hmm. Our cameraman is going to write his handles on the video because he's too shy to let you know what his handles are. But uh, yeah, man, follow us and catch us next week. Until then, peace out. J'ai du manque d'ambition Si tu dépends de monsieur Faut avoir une vision Faut pas juste des beaux yeux On enchaîne des longues peines On refait les mêmes gaffes Des ans plus tard toujours avec les mêmes gars Ma chérie, ma chérie Dans le street pour t'aimer, pour te chérir, chérie ma chérie Va t'amener dans le trap, il va pas t'amener à la mer Y'a pas de budget, t'es dans un tas de bullshit En prison t'as soufflé sur un tas de bougies T'es rentré, t'es sorti Tout le monde est passé de l'avant, mais toi t'as pas bougé Depuis le temps que tu grind, t'es devenu un OG Mais t'es toujours dans le bloc, j'comprends pas la logique Le cognac dans le sang, la fumée plein les poumons La mort se rapproche lentement, en slow motion Casse la démarche Et c'est vrai que j'ai pris de l'âge 
Mais je me demande est-ce que j'ai grandi Le diable me réclame si je suis toujours là C'est parce qu'on prie pour moi Prie pour moi et j'ai fait des faveurs à plusieurs Mais je me demande qui va ride si on tire sur moi On a grandi ensemble et voudrait me voir mort J'ai la peine d'un accusé à tort Si le soleil se lève on s'en sort Pas besoin de renfort Je le rends dans nos corps Ouais tant que ça va Tu as petit feu, le temps passe, mais t'es slow mon chat. 